The following has been brought to you by SJP World Media. You people, you know who I am. But you don't know why I'm here. This is where the big boys play, huh? Look at the adjective. Play. Go at it live on WCW Monday Nitro, where the big boys play every Monday night at 8 on TNT. Hello and welcome once again to Nitro Nights, a WCW Look Back podcast and an SJP World Media production. My name is Sai, and with me, as always, is the guy with all the answers. How much knowledge he crams into that little head of his, I do not know. The wrestling encyclopedia himself, Scottish Danny. How are you doing, my friend? I'm really well, thank you, Sai. Thank you for that uh, brilliant introduction. No worries, no worries. I mean, every word. I mean, every word. Uh, a little bit of clarity for everybody. I've got a slightly different setup this evening. I'm not in my usual little cubby hole surrounded by sponge and so on and crammed into the corner. I'm actually up in the bedroom, sat on the bed. So if I do sound a little bit different or a little bit off, I apologize. But it's a case of needs must this evening because things are getting moved around. But there we go. Uh, this week's Nitro Nights is looking at the episode of Nitro that first aired April the 1st, 1996 from Cleveland, Ohio. And it was really, really tight in the TV ratings this week, Danny. Raw won the night with a 2.9. Nitro, they got a 2.8. So very, very close. And again, similar kind of number of people watching wrestling. Yeah, I've noticed that as you've been reading out weeks to weeks, it's like, like they're just flipping back and forth, aren't they? Yes, and and next week as well. I mean, we, we will still be here next week looking at the next Nitro, but Nitro didn't air the following Monday, the 7th or the 8th or whatever it may well have been. The next episode of Nitro was the 15th, which is what we'll be looking at next week on Nitro Nights. But just to back that up, the TV ratings for next week, obviously Nitro wasn't on, so it got nothing, but Raw got around 4.6, 4.7. So again, it's the same roughly number of people or households watching wrestling divided between the two companies or watching the one show when the other show isn't on air. So it'd be interesting to see how these numbers change as both products get hotter throughout the nineties and attract more, I suppose, casual fans might be the right term. Yeah, definitely. Um, that's something I'm really looking forward to is adding up the numbers um, to see where we go at the end. Yes, definitely. <laughs> um, this week's Nitro was a bit of a funny start for me. 
and I, I liked this, but I also had to stop my little uh, app on the for the WWE network I was watching and try and rewind because I thought, have I missed the beginning? That's awful as well. It immediately jump starts to a match, isn't it? Like it felt um, like the the intro hadn't come yet or anything like that. It was just like act, straight action, wasn't it? Yeah, I mean the show begins without, like Danny said, without our usual music and intro. It begins without our usual introductions from Bischoff and so on, sat behind the counter with Pepe the dog. Uh, it just begins with you know the camera just comes on and Sting and the Giant are in the ring having a bit of a discussion. Sting spits at him, which I hate. It is disgusting, especially when a baby face does it. Don't don't do that. And we just go straight off into Sting versus the Giant in what seems like a match, but then kind of isn't, I guess. Yeah, it was more like a brawl, wasn't it? Like um, I've just written down the my notes. It was a lot of striking, and after the great praise we gave the Giant on last week's episode, so it was like. It's kind of like one step forward, two steps back for me, this match, kind of. Okay. Um, explain to me why then. That's intriguing to me. What's what's the difference this week to last week? Because last week and the pay-per-view and the week before that, um, the Giant was showcased as, like, he was the main event. He was being featured. He had promo time. I mean, he's wrestling a big name here in Sting, but it just it just felt lacking to me, especially after last week when he's in the ring with Flair. And now he's kind of like opening the show in this kind of random hodgepodge brawl here. Okay. Yeah. I can see where you're coming from. I can see where you're coming from. I mean, to me, there's still aspects of what we have been getting with the giant because he knows sells a lot of punches from sting and that brilliant spot where sting runs at full pelt and hits him with a cross body and the giant just stands there and sting just kind of goes splat. I thought was, was pretty good. Um, but I know what you mean. He's, he's, he's opening the show, which isn't always a bad thing. I mean, I think they, uh, especially during this era where they're battling for ratings every single week, starting Nitro like this straight away with Sting and the Giant, two of your biggest names on the screen, not, not even an intro, just straight away on the screen. And the fact that Nitro used to try and go live a couple of minutes before Raw would broadcast, you're going to get a lot of eyes on this and they're trying to make sure they stay. So I can understand the motivation for it, but I can also see where you're coming from as well, my friend. Yeah, definitely. And um, that's a great point you make as well. It's like they have to get the big stars featured on the show really soon to hook the viewers in. That's a really good point, mate. Thank you. Um, <laughs> we do get uh, a couple of moments from the giant that did impress me. Uh, there's one moment where he stood on the outside of the ring and he press slams Sting back into the ring over the top rope from the floor. That was that was very impressive. And there's another one where he goes to choke slam Sting, but Sting counters into a drop kick and the giant goes absolutely flying. And I thought the bump he took there was really good. And this is just before our friend old Lex Luger arrives to uh, stand up for his tag partner, Danny. Yes, he runs in, does nothing and gets Sting and the Giant basically the whole match thrown out, doesn't he? Yeah, well done, Lex. Um, <laughs> and then we do get our intro. I mean, during the match itself, or brawl, or whatever, we do have Jimmy Hart, sorry, we do have Eric Bischoff explaining that Jimmy Hart was bribing Harlem Heat, and they were going to try and get us the footage, because this was supposed to be a tag match of some sort. 
Uh, and after our normal intro to Nitro with the music and the fireworks and the all, and all the pyro and all the singing and dancing that we get, we do get a little bit of that footage. Uh, Jimmy Hart is handing Harlem Heat an envelope before the match in the aisle way, which means they then turn around and walk away. So the Giant and Sting then get into an argument and it kind of ends up where we are at the beginning of the show. And this all stems back to something that happened on Saturday night, apparently between these four guys and they were going to wrestle for the tag titles, but the WCW board wouldn't authorize this because the giant and sting aren't the tag team champions Luger and sting are. So why would they wrestle for the tag titles? It's, it's silly to me. It's very convoluted. Uh, that uh, piece of business, but I really did like um, the effort thrown into the backstory of Jimmy Hart uh, paying off Harlem here. I thought that was really cool. Yeah, and I like the uniqueness of this as well. Starting without the intro, start. I mean, one of my big bugbears in uh, modern day wrestling, and even wrestling going back, say, 10, 15 years. Okay, for example, we look at, say, Monday Night Raw when Triple H was world champion. So we're looking at throughout the 2000s, I guess, the whole evolution era and beyond. Every single episode I can remember of Monday Night Raw opened with a triple H promo for what seemed, yeah, for what seemed like half of my life. And it became so mundane. And so, Oh, I won't bother putting raw on just yet. I watched the end of this football match because I know it's going to be triple H rambling on or whatever. Whereas this kind of format, it's exciting. It makes you kind of feel I have to put nitro on because you don't know what's going to happen. And Bischoff is pushing that really, really strongly on the commentary table as well, saying that anything can happen here. Anything can happen in WCW, and it normally does. And this is why we're starting this. This Some of this stuff that's happening now began off air before the cameras were even rolling. So you need to make sure you're here right from the very first second of when we go live. It's quite a clever little ploy, I think. Yeah, it really is. And then interluding Saturday night as well was really cool as well. Although I'm sure we'll never get to that, will we, Si? I'm not going back and watching all that as well. No chance. Um, <laughs> uh, we then get the commentary team of Bobby Heenan, Steve McMichael and Eric Bischoff running through what is on tonight's card. We're told that Hogan and the Booty Man are going to wrestle Arn Anderson and Kevin Sullivan. God help us. And we're told that there is a triangle match, or I suppose a triple threat to you and I, between three contenders who are very high up in the world tag title ratings, I would imagine, uh, of the Steiners, the Nasty Boys, and the Road Warriors, which is three big names, especially when you go back into the 90s as well. And a world championship match between Ric Flair and Lex Luger. Now that's quite a spectacular main event right there, isn't it? That's a really good lineup, and yeah, topped off with that main event is really, really cool. I can't wait to get into this. Yeah, exactly. And we open, well, we don't open, obviously, we opened with that wild brawl, but we opened the rest of the card, shall we say, with the Steiners versus the Nasty Boys versus the Road Warriors. Now, I mean, to me, this is a typical Road Warriors style match, even though there's three teams involved, because it's it's very just power move, power move, power move. Um, when one of the road warriors seems to be struggling a bit, the other road warrior runs in, makes the save. And you just added an extra team into the mix for me. But, and there are a few points here that I want to bring up to get your thoughts on. But before we, I do break down a couple of the moves and a couple of the segments in the, in the match. 
what are your thoughts on this type of multi-team match? Because we saw the WWF or WWE do this a lot. I think WrestleMania 18, potentially WrestleMania 19 or 20 or, or all around that sort of era, it would have four tag teams going for the, the, the tag championships on Raw, the tag championships on SmackDown. I think one WrestleMania had two of these formats and it was two guys in the ring Anyone can tag in and out and so on. What are your thoughts on that kind of format for a multi-team contest? I think it's really useful for a situation like this. And you're 100% dead on, site. Like They used it at WrestleMania 18, 19 and 20, with 20 being the okay. two matches. And it was like it was overkill at that point because it was you could just tell... It was what the Andre the Giant Battle Royal became, where it was just an excuse to get tag teams or wrestlers on the card. Right. Um, but for here, I think it plays well because we know that these teams hate each other in the storyline. And um, one of the biggest shocks to me was that the public enemy were, uh, we were told that the public enemy were backstage and were angry about something. But um, And they, they were originally supposed to be put in this match, weren't they? I don't know. I got no idea. I, I I must have missed that bit. But one thing I did pick up on that was a little bit of a surprise to me was the reference back to when the Steiners arrived back to WCW on the Harleys and they had attacked one of their op- 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 opponent teams here. And this is why this match was going on because it involved the Road Warriors, the Nasty Boys and the Steiners all in that match there. And so I completely forgot that happened. No, you, I wouldn't be uh, surprised to say I, I um, forgot that happened as well. But I mean, these three teams have been fighting a lot. The only, I think, instead of Public Enemy being in this match, it should have been Harlem Heat, but they were being paid off, weren't they? So um, I think it's a good way of getting all teams on the cards and also uh, furthering their storyline, especially with the Steiners, because the Steiners in this match were on fire to me. So yes yes i mean my thoughts initially on this format i'm not a fan i don't like the fact that one team is standing on the apron like 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 a couple of plonkers basically waiting their turn and there's two guys in the ring i i would like if it's a triple threat or a triangle or even a, a, a fatal four-way or whatever i like the idea of one member of each team being in the ring and they can only tag their partner that to me makes a lot more sense, but you don't really see matches like that, do you? No, you don't. I don't think they've come up with a match like that. So you should be booking. <laughs> <laughs> I just think, I just think logically it makes more sense because if, why would you tag out? If you tag out, you can't, if both your guys, if, if both members of your team are on the apron, you can't win the match. So why would you ever want to tag out? That's true. It's like, yeah, because, yeah, actually, when you, I haven't thought about it until you just said it there. It lessens your chances of getting the pin. Because you exactly. could do all the work and then you tag out and then someone else goes and does the pin and wins. Yeah. It makes no sense. It makes no, Obviously, you get a lot of blind tags and people tagging when their uh, guys are running the ropes and so on. But even that is is done to the point where it's so tired now that surely you just wouldn't run the ropes near your opponents. You'd stay well out, well out, well away from the corners where your opponents could potentially tag you out. It just logically, it just doesn't make a lot of sense, that kind of format. But I mean, the WCW are doing it here in 96 and the WWE ran with it for years and years. So I mean, they must see something in it that I don't, I guess. 
Yes, wrestling is silly, sir. It is. It is. <laughs> um, couple of spots throughout the match that I want to get your thoughts on, Danny. I mean, first of all, Animal he throws a few clotheslines, and one of them looks like it damn near takes Brian Nobbs' head off. That was nasty, wasn't it? It was like, I mean, I'm happy it was Brian Nobbs uh, if it had to be somebody getting their head taken <laughs> off. But but it was brutal looking. Um, I also wrote down that Scott Stanton did an amazing double sledge. Uh, I don't know if you saw that, Si. That yes. was pretty, really cool. I think Scott Steiner here is is incredible. Uh, there's a moment where he, I mean, first of all, he looks even bigger than the last time we saw him. He's, you could see his body shape from, I mean, imagine the Steiners in, say, 1993 in the WWF that a lot of people will probably be more familiar with than some WCW stuff, I guess. He was more jacked and more put together on his return to WCW than that. And then here, he's even bigger again than the previous couple of months ago. I think we can already see the kind of morphing into the big popper pump character whilst he's still wearing the singlet and has the mullet and there's no beard yet and so on, body shape-wise. And also the, the definition and, and, the, and the, the sort of the bulk of his muscles are taking that kind of form for me now. Yes, definitely. And the scariest thing is he was only going to get bigger and bigger as the years go on. Mm. There is a window, Danny, we're going to see where Steiner does go uh, into the singles ranks as the, the big pop pump character, effectively, or what becomes that. And he is absolutely jacked, but he can still move. The whole really athletic... Um, incredibly talented Scott Steiner who could throw drop kicks and, and all this sort of stuff. That era of Steiner's career and then the massive, muscly, jacked-up era of Steiner's career, there is a little portion of time where they cross over. So we have a huge, muscly, jacked, massive Scott Steiner but still able to do all the athletic stuff the smaller Steiner could do. And that, to me, is an incredible time in his career. But we're going to come to that at some stage. We're going to see a lot of that. And I think he's really, really impressive in that time. I can't wait, mate. This should be really cool. Yeah. I mean, there's a move here as well that Scott Steiner takes that I think looks incredible. Uh, Hawk hits him with a really stiff, almost sit-out neckbreaker, almost a rude awakening kind of style move. That looked incredibly painful. It really did. It was like, how did he not break his neck after that? Yeah, yes, indeed. And uh, there's also a, a Scott Steiner belly-to-belly overhead suplex, but on Animal, who is potentially the biggest guy in this match. I suppose both the Nasty Boys were up there in weight as well, but Animal cleared 300 pounds. So that belly-to-belly overhead suplex, I mean, it looked like he was throwing a cruiserweight around. St- Scott Steiner is amazing. Oh, he really is. And it was so clean as well. Each of the Steiner Brothers belly-to-belly suplexes in this match, they were just so crisp. I mean, it was mm. like... It was just like, it's so smooth. I, w- I was really enjoyed them. I mean, the finish, I'm a little puzzled about, though. I mean, it all kind of breaks down on the outside and everyone's kind of brawling and it's a big mess. And then Public Enemy arrive, but they're dressed like the Nasty Boys. And Scott Steiner eventually pins Brian Nobbs, but we'll say that in very you know big air quotes, and to win the match for the Steiners but it's not actually Brian Nobbs. He's been dragged under the ring. It's one of Public Enemy dressed as Brian Nobbs, just lying down and taking the pin. 
quite inventive. It's I suppose it's the old twin magic switcheroo job that we used to get from the Bellas. And also when we used to get like two doinks, for example, in 1993, that sort of thing. But I'm not sure how this works. I, I suppose the idea is very good. But I mean, Doink the Clang, when they used to, when he used to do it, he had face paint on, so it's quite obvious, you know, quite easy. Sorry to switch switch around. The the Bellas were twins, so it's very simple to switch those around. This is a guy in Public Enemy with half monkey dreadlocks, uh, and he's a completely different body shape and a completely different face. Switching places with Brian Nobbs, who doesn't look anything like him. I'm not 100 percent sure about that myself, Danny. What were your thoughts on this? Uh, I'm very much the same as you. So I love the idea of this because uh, there's one that always sticks out to me is when Kurt Angle had his brother dressed up as 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 himself and uh, Brock oh, Lesnar yes. pinned. Uh, yeah, you remember that? Um, I found mm. that that completely tricked me as a 12 year old watching that, and it's always stuck in my mind as like, oh, they got me. Um, <laughs> I can imagine a 12 year old watching this and thinking. Oh, that's not Brian Nobbs. We've seen him running down the ring. <laughs> yeah. I think if they had kept him possibly under the ring or something like that, uh, the idea is brilliant, but the execution just lacked for me just a little bit. Yeah, I get you. I get you. Uh, that's that Eric, uh, Eric Angle, Kurt Angle one. That was superbly done, though, wasn't it? Because Angle used to wear the, the sort of hooded jacket effort, didn't he? And kneel down in the corner. And, oh, it was so well done. Really, really it was brilliant. Yeah. Yeah. That's I mean, kind of what they were aiming for here, I guess, but didn't quite. I mean, don't get me wrong, it was still quite good. It just wasn't, it just wasn't spot on, was it? I think if they'd done this during a booty man uh, match, it would have been a lot better because those matches are kind of like the clown show part, part of Nitro, where this is more <sighs> serious feud, uh, in my opinion. Like the Steiners are serious, the LOD are serious. You can't really say the nasty boys are serious, but they're trying. And the public enemy <laughs> are um, kind of on their way up there. So if you get rid of uh, the nasty boys and the public enemy, I think I don't think that finish would have worked. Mm. No, fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, you mentioned the Clang show and we come to it next, don't we? We have Hogan and the Booty Man and they are facing the team of Arn Anderson and Kevin Sullivan because apparently this feud is never going to end. They're probably still feuding now in 2022 somewhere. Uh, woman and Liz are out with the heels and Kimberly or the booty babe as she is referred to here is out yet again with the booty man what a waste of Kimberly really talented valet a great looking lady the crowd love her what a waste sticking her with a bloody booty man of all people I mean they could have stuck her with anyone else mm. um, I would have had a, rather seen her with the yeti than, than the booty man <laughs> 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 just wrapped up in tissue paper like the Yeti. Uh, <laughs> um, Hogan didn't even bother to put his gear on for this. That's how serious he's taking this shit. He's wearing his... It, I mean, they look like wrestling tights, but they are stuff he wears just around the set of like Thunder in Paradise sometimes and when he's cutting promos. He's not even bothered to put his proper gear on for this. It uh, The booty man is in control of the match. I can't believe that's a sentence I just said. The booty man is in control of the match for quite a while, but it's all very punchy, kicky crap. Eventually, the heels do take control for a little while, but there's not much to it. Uh, woman rakes the booty man's eyes at one point. 
So good. I'm glad she did that. And <laughs> eventually we get Hogan tagging in, though, after this, because the booty man is, is, is beaten down by Arn and Kevin Sullivan for quite a short period of time. He doesn't really allow them to get masses in on him. Hogan comes in for the hot tag to virtually no reaction at all. It was very lukewarm, wasn't it? Mm. Yeah, I mean, it's a, a booze did follow when he sort of went through his hulking up shtick, I guess. But the actual tag itself, even when he came in and started you know, waving his arms around trying to get the crowd pumped up, there was virtually nothing for him. Quite shocking. But um, I think the thing that shocked me most about this match was I got worked si, on something. Okay. I got worked on Bobby Heenan saying that he was retiring from wrestling uh, after ah. this match. And I don't blame him because he was commentating on a booty man match, but he was, uh, he announced his retirement for this uh, show. And I actually did think he was leaving. I thought somehow they'll do an angle or something out of this, but um, we'll get to that a bit later. But that was the most shocking thing about this. But in terms of the match, um, it was kind of standard, wasn't it? Yeah, they weren't. It weren't great. It weren't great. Um, I mean, Hogan, Hogan in the red and yellow does what Hogan does. The Booty Man is just an absolute pile of dog dirt. I'd rather just have Kimberly Kimberly come out and cut a promo than watch a Booty Man match. To be fair, I mean, first of all, she's far superior to look at. Second, I think she's got far more charisma. It's just oh, dear me, Hogan. As we said, does get a few boos, and then we get the finish where. I mean, it's it's shoe central, isn't it? Kevin Sullivan gets a shoe from woman, which is a weapon that Arn and Flair have used quite often. So in response to that, the booty man gets a shoe from Kimberly, who then he then gives that to Hogan. And Hogan basically kind of waves it past Kevin Sullivan's face as opposed to actually hitting him with it. It was a really shit looking shot with the shoe, wasn't it? Well, that's a sentence that you don't want to say too many times. Yeah. A shit looking <laughs> shot with the shoe. Um, yeah. I don't know if Kimberly's got smelly feet and it just knocked him out because he barely touched him with the actual heel itself. And, and Hogan gets the pinfall and it's just, I mean, with the shoes right there as well, mind the shoes are right there. Whilst the referee, it's sh- in fact, the, the one shoe is still in Hogan's hand when the referee is counting the three count. It's bollocks. It buries the referee, doesn't it? It's like, oh, you make your referee look like an idiot. I mean, mm. I, I, I'm a big fan of referees, and and to see something like that is just like, oh come on! It just kind of just lowers his stock. Yes, yes, totally. Uh, I mean, we then get a replay of what's going on whilst Bischoff is frantically screaming on commentary, get back to the ring, get back to the ring. We don't want to watch that, get back to the ring. And he's true. We don't want to watch that again. But there's actually a reason for it because Liz and woman are attacking the booty man because the gentleman that is Ed Leslie has gone back in the ring to fetch, to basically to fetch Kimberly's uh, shoe that she has left behind. And he gets jumped by the women managers and yeah it's just again it's just oh, i'm so tired of this crap now i really don't blame you so i mean just uh it was something that was just so like it's just we're seeing this a lot in the weeks that we're watching i mean can't we just flush booty man away i mean he shouldn't really be in this position in the ring with Arn anderson um i was just happy to see him get a beat down yeah this is true Mean Gene pops into the ring and uh, has a little chat with the booty man and Hogan. Hogan tries to do his usual crap, 
which at this stage is getting no positive responses whatsoever from the fans. The booty man then says, I want you to be my partner next week because I've got an idea. I've got an idea so we can get the upper hand. We can get the last laugh. And I'm thinking, have they not already done that? They've won this match. They won at Uncensored against everybody. It was Hogan and Savage versus everyone. And they won there with the booty man's help. Have they not already had the last laugh? Is this feud not already over? Why are we going to another match again? It just just blows my mind. It's like, I mean, you could definitely tell Kevin Sullivan had the book because he was booking himself in the main event every week. (laughs) But I mean, I found it interesting to say, to see that booty man has a, stipulation in place for next week so i'm looking forward to seeing what type of match that they're going to have at least it's not a standard tag team match well yeah i mean he does get corrected as well hogan doesn't he he's like you want me to be your partner that's fine next we'll take them on next monday and mean jeans like it's a week from monday not next monday we're not on telly next monday you know so that made oh, hogan look ridiculous but oh it's just yes <laughs> the booty man won't tell us what his idea is though He's got this plan, but he won't tell us. And it's like, well, I don't, I, I don't care. We we really don't care. But it's like, I think the booty man should have told the viewers what his uh, plan was, so that we could be bothered to tune in next week. Let's just hope it's not a um, another steel cage match. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I know what happens, and I'm going to warn you now, Danny. Don't get too excited, okay? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> that takes us then to our main event. And we have Ric Flair versus Lex Luger for the WCW World Heavyweight title that still dons the name Macho Man on the front that you can see very clearly when our referee holds it out to the camera. I was looking, I was trying to see the name on the nameplate. And I was getting quite frustrated because Flair was moving around and I couldn't see it. So, yeah, thank you very much to that referee for pointing out how daft their company is and making it very clear to everyone watching at home it's the wrong name. Wow, just typical WCW. (laughs) Mm, Exactly. Uh, Deborah McMichael is in the crowd and Flair pays her a little bit of attention. So I wonder if anything's ever going to come of that. We'll have to wait and see. And early moments of this match... I mean, first of all, I'll be, I'll be totally clear with you, Danny, before we get into it and break it down a little bit further. I enjoyed this. I thought this was very, very good. But something that really was a bit strange to me is that Luger seemed like he was just giggling and laughing to himself for the first three or four minutes. I don't know if a Flair whispered a joke in his ear or he saw a particularly amusing sign in the crowd. But it's, it's almost like when you sat there with your mate in a quite a serious situation and you've got the giggles and you know, if you look at your mate, you're going to start laughing again. That's the kind of vibe I got from Luger here. He's desperately trying not to laugh, but he is. Yeah. I, I saw this and I was thinking, is this part of his character work? Maybe he's showing that he's not taking this seriously, but then again, it is a main event and it is the world t- championship match. So yeah, I found that a bit odd. Yeah. Very strange. Uh, but that aside, I think Luger looks incredible here. And I think a big part of that, well, there's the two things that really play into how good Lex Luger looks in this match for me. One is how Luger has all this strength and power. I mean, it, the press slams he puts on Flair look incredible and so on. And he's the one who's actually obviously executing the moves to make himself look good, of course. But we come back to what we said about Ric Flair last week. The way he is bumping around for Luger 
it's it's so good and it makes luger look incredible flair here just this is why he was again we said it last week i'll say it again now this is why he was one of the best in the world for me because how great does luger look this is the best i think luger has looked in months on the show definitely mate it's like you just said it perfectly flair's just has his um his working boots on for the last two weeks and i mean he's just making guy after guy i mean you could you could say how many uh, wrestlers did rick flair make by having these long matches and these big main event matches there will be at least over 20 wrestlers because he he just he just had that magic didn't he yeah i mean there's there's some criticisms of flair and that some of his critics would say that he always has the same match and there's a lot of the same spots and so on. But I would, I would also throw that adage to pretty much any wrestler I've seen. I mean, people talk about how great the Omega Okada matches are at some stage in that match. We're going to see the V trigger from Omega. We're going to see the rainmaker from Okada. We're going to see, you know, we're going to see the same spots. Bret Hart is, is lauded as one of the best to ever do it we're going to see the side Russian next week. We're going to see the side backbreaker. We're going to see that middle rope elbow. It all building up to the sharpshooter. All wrestlers do it to a degree. And I think with flair, when he was the touring champion of the territory days and he was making, he was making guys all over the place. He could do a lot more of the same match every night because it wasn't on TV in the same regions all the time. So he could get away with it more, but at the same time, he would leave an arena having the, the crowd absolutely livid at him because their local boy didn't win the title because he cheated or it went the time limit or so on. But that local guy was an absolute star because Flair had made him. So then when the rerun came back, the rematch, the, the, the return contest, they sold even more tickets because of what happened in the previous. And again, it all comes back to how good Flair was at making other people look good. Yeah, absolutely. You said it spot on there, so it's like um you can criticize Flair all you want, but I mean there's a reason he stuck around for he had a forty year wrestling career and uh that's perfectly you summed up perfectly why. Yeah, again, he's uh, people say I'm biased because he's one of my favourites and always has been, but it, it is what it is. I think the guy is just he, he was just a, that that good. Um the there's some odd moments from Flair here, though. We get a really weird little tantrum on the outside of the ring where he's jumping up and down on the spot, having a little hissy fit, Danny. Yeah, and he tries to walk off, doesn't he? Yeah. He's just annoyed. <laughs> <laughs> it's, uh, um, he's definitely frustrated. Yes, he is. Uh, again, he takes a few press slams, and, and Luger lifts this. I mean, Flair is, what, 230-ish pounds, something like that, 240 maybe? And Luger's lifting him up like he's nothing. And he does it several times. And on one occasion, actually drops him across the ropes, which looked quite painful. Uh, Luger's hitting clotheslines and Flair is flying all over the place when Luger hits him with one of these clotheslines. And the clothesline Luger is throwing is no different in speed or uh, Luger's uh, body shape or form or technique to the clothesline he would have thrown a couple of weeks ago against Harlem heat or a couple of weeks ago against the road warriors or whatever. It's exactly the same, but here it looks like he's proper killing flair because of the way flair is reacting to that clothesline. It makes such a difference to how the guy who takes the move reacts, doesn't it? It really does. And also with the crowd reaction as well, it's like they're, they're adding to it because the crowd in this match was really intellects. And I think they really wanted to see him win. Yes. Yes, indeed. Uh, 
woman and Liz kind of get chased off at one point by Luger. They're scared of, I don't know, getting baby oil on their dresses or something. I'm not 100% sure. Uh, when Lex tries to get back in the ring, that's when Flair catches him. And Luger takes quite a big bump from the apron all the way to the guardrail, which was quite spectacular. And then Rick starts working on the leg. The chop blocks come out, the stamps and the kicks come out before he applies the figure four, Danny, doesn't he? Yep, he does. But Lex Luger reverses that and we get to um, Lex Luger going for the torture rack and then woman throws hot coffee the dreaded hot coffee straight into his eyes which i mean hot co- they still use it to to this day in, in sore finishes what do you think about hot coffee being used in a wrestling match si? i got no i got no issue with it it's the same as uh i suppose using one of women's shoes it's there and if if anyone's ever spilt you know, boiling water on themselves. They know how much it bloody hurts. Um, I'll be honest. I've been to a few wrestling events in my time. Only really one massive big show with the WWE, but a lot of uh, more independent shows on a smaller scale. I don't remember anyone drinking coffee at these events, but this is in the States. This you know, maybe slightly different. I don't know, but um, it, I, I quite, I quite liked it because it was, again, it was something a bit different. Similar to how we spoke about the start of the episode of Nitro. It's something a bit different. You know, it would have been very easy or lazy, I suppose, for them to go back to, you know, Liz is distracting the referee, which is what she does here. This is what what I quite like the the dynamic of the two ladies with Flair. One distracts the ref whilst the other does something. And it'd be very easy for this to be a case of Liz distracts the referee and woman chucks flare her shoe again which we've seen a million and one times but the fact that they've tried to do something a bit different and it's a bit more well it's a bit fresher it's a bit more creative i've got no issues with that really how about yourself Danny? um yeah i'm the same as you with that but i was like uh i look at it from a logistic standpoint of like um hot like like you said who has hot coffee in in the front row because she got it from a fan that had to be, and then she just poured it in Lex Luger's eyes. If that was anyone who had hot coffee thrown into the eyes, wouldn't you be on your way to the hospital rather than continuing a wrestling match? Yeah, this is true. This is true. It's not a good look, is it? Yeah. I mean, you speak to Mr. Max about spilling hot coffee on yourself. He had a bit of a yes. turmoil when he was away, uh, as he discussed on Chain Wrestling a few weeks ago on the network. But there we go. Uh this I thought was quite clever as well, though the timing of it, because when Liz is distracting the referee and woman goes to grab the coffee, Flair is in the torture rack, as you mentioned. Now I quite like that because that means Luger is stood up. His he's, you know, he's just open for the attack like that, but he can't defend himself because his arms are being used to rack Flair. So again, from a logical standpoint of what woman is doing, it makes sense. And that's all I really want from my wrestling. I want it to make sense. I don't want Lex to turn around and have his hands down by his side and not protect himself. Cause that doesn't make sense. You would protect yourself. Yeah. Whereas here he can't because of the rack. I think that's, that, that's quite sensible. It does make a lot of sense. Definitely. Yes. Uh, and then what I also liked as well is Ric Flair with the roll up, but he puts his feet on the ropes just for that extra little bit of a chicken shit heel skullduggery to to win the match a little bit more cheating from the dirtiest player in the game that i enjoyed as well Uh, and that was the end of this episode of nitro apart from a little bit with heenan at the end danny so tell us about that my friend seeing as you say you got worked 
Yep, so uh, throughout this, uh, Bobby Heenan said that he uh, was going to retire from wrestling and I was thinking, no, I was really just racking my brains and thinking, did he stay for WCW? I couldn't remember. And then <laughs> and then all of a sudden he just says, I gotcha, um, it's April Fool's. And then I remembered, oh yes, this was on April the Fool's Day, April Fool's Day. So I wrote down, great shit i got worked <laughs> <laughs> and he laughed and he laughed and he laughed didn't he absolutely uh, and i'm sure um uh eric bischoff and uh mongo mcmichael probably got worked at that point as well <laughs> yeah well i don't mean bischoff would have he would have known wouldn't he but i, I imagine pepe the dog got worked um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he looks like a right mark doesn't he um <laughs> I, I suppose we better get to our ratings for this episode, our hit, miss, or middling, and our oh brothers and our woo moments for the show, Danny. Woo! Brother, 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 brothers, brother. Woo! Brother. Uh, first or second, my friend? I'll go second this week, sir. Okie doke. I will go as always with my oh brother first. I like to try and finish on something positive. Um, it's going to be no surprise to anyone. It's the booty man, Hogan and Kevin Sullivan bullshit. Why is this still going on? And why for the love of God, is it not only just still going on? Are we getting told we're going to get some more? Oh, I wish I could have had the answer. Sir, but I mean, it's just, yeah. Torture for the moment. But um, yeah, that's a great one. I was going to say my old brother uh, this week is definitely, uh, just seeing the booty man, just knowing that he exists in this timeline uh, and knowing the fact that we have to see him next week. <laughs> mm, well, yeah, let's see. Ah, uh, the woo moment from me is the main event. I really, really enjoyed this main event. I think it was a very simple story, but it shows that wrestling doesn't have to be overcomplicated. You had the heel flair genuinely acting like his title reign was under threat. Lugo looked incredible and then various shortcuts by flair and uh, a quite a inventive finish for him to escape with his championship still. So yeah, that was the main event for me is, is why my woo. Brilliant, mate. Uh, my woo this week would be how the, how the Steiner brothers performed in that um, triple threat tag team match um, that they really, really impressed me this week. And I hope we see more of these Steiner brothers and I'm looking forward to um, seeing where they go from here. Yeah, definitely. I'm a big fan of the Steiners anyway, but yeah, I totally agree with you, mate. I totally agree with you. Hit me some middling, bud. I'm going with middle this week, sir. How about yourself, mate? Yeah, I've got the same. I've got the same. The opener or the, or the opening brawl was quite intriguing. The tag match was bit hit and miss but there was still plenty going on to keep me entertained the main event was great but it gets marked down because of hogan the booty man and sullivan and all that bullshit i feel so so sorry for Arn anderson being wrapped up in that crap definitely i mean i'm surprised he didn't walk out after the uncensored match <laughs> yeah <laughs> he's got a family to feed mate that's why he's worried about his mortgage and whatnot i spoke um <laughs> a little bit of context for everyone though this is the 1st of april 1996 this is actually the monday after the wwf put on wrestlemania 12 so this edition of Raw that beat narrowly, narrowly beat Nitro on the other channel. Um, first of all, I'm surprised that the ratings were so close. If it was the Monday after Raw, uh, Monday after WrestleMania, sorry, I'd have thought there'd have been a bit more interest in what was going on on the other channel. 
So maybe that's a good thing for WCW there. But it was the first episode of Monday Night Raw where Shawn Michaels was a world champion for the first time ever. And it also featured the debut of a guy called Mankind, who obviously wrestled for WCW under the name Cactus Jack. So, yeah, that'll put butts on seats, won't it, Danny? Yeah, definitely. That's fascinating. <laughs> I'm actually surprised WCW didn't take any pot shots at uh, WrestleMania. Well, I don't know. Maybe they will in future weeks. We'll have to see. We'll have to see. But yes, there we go. That concludes this week's Nitro Nights WCW Look Back podcast. Uh, we will be back again next week with the April 15th edition of Nitro because Nitro misses a week for some reason at the start of April. And I'll be honest, I've looked it up. I can't really find out why, but maybe we'll find out by next week. Uh, Danny, do you want to let everyone know whereabouts people can find you and your awesome shows online, my friend? Yep, you can find me on Twitter at Scottish Juggalo. You can hear me on One Man's Me podcast with the great Chris Bellis. You can hear me on Back When with the great Ty Peters. And you can hear me here next week where we're going to have to talk about the booty man, aren't we, Si, with the great Si Powell? <laughs> mm, well, we'll have to... Uh... Well, we'll have to wait and see, my friend. You may, um, I don't want to be too, you know, t- too much of a spoiler and give away s- stuff like that, but maybe this will put a little smile on your face. We might not have to talk about the booty, man. Let's see how it goes. Ooh. <laughs> okay. Uh, you can follow the network at SJP World Media on Facebook and Twitter. There is a group on Facebook. There is also a page. So chuck it a like where you can get links to the shows and so on. Uh, and all the shows from the network are you know, available on those social media contact details. So Chain Wrestling, uh, NXT Rise and Fall, the Doctor Who pod, the Waiting Room, looking at Quantum Leap, uh, everything that looks at modern day WWE. So in the corner, RSH and all that sort of stuff. And of course, this show right here, Nitro Nights. But you can also follow the show itself on Facebook and Twitter at Nitro underscore Nights. So yeah, make sure you're giving all of that a like, a subscribe, uh, subscribe to the network on all your podcast players and so on. It helps us out no end. Danny, it's been a blast again, my friend, despite the fact we've had to watch Mr. Ed Leslie roll around on the floor and get an opportunity to kiss Kimberly Page, which makes me slightly jealous. As it would anyone. (laughs) (laughs) I'll speak to you next week, bud. Take care, mate. And to everyone else, as always, thank you for listening.